happy to be here. So I just wanted to introduce myself real quickly. Um, I don't know if my family picture's up there, but I'd love to introduce them. Then I got a good story about Casey for you. Come, not coming? All right. Well, I'll tell you about Casey first. Casey, I met when I was in college at the University of San Diego. And when I first became a Christian my freshman year of college, I got connected to the city church shortly after that down there in San Diego. And Casey was the first guy that taught me how to pray for an hour. And so when I was learning how do I pray, how do I do this, he, he taught me how to pray and to do that and to have a consistent prayer life. And I was like, wow, I'd love to be able to pray for 15 minutes. And well, I'm going to teach you how to pray for an hour. And then I sat down and did that. And I was like, wow, that was really an hour. And he, he showed me a method of praying through the Lord's Prayer that I still use to this day that helped me have a thriving prayer life. So I always thank you for that. I always tell that story. Are the slides up? No? Okay. Well, it's fine. No worries. We don't need the slides. I know how to do this. Say what? Oh, okay. Well, I am married to a beautiful wife, Christina, and I also have three kids like Casey, uh, Noah, six, Sophia, four, and Wesley, who's almost two in about a week. And so um, we also have a full life and a full household, but we're on mission together. We work with fraternity and sorority students all around Los Angeles. And so we work with an organization called Greek InterVarsity, where we uh, lead Bible studies and talk with people on the college campuses all over greater Los Angeles. So like Casey said, I I did write the book Beyond Awkward, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And um, one of my favorite stories to tell is one day I was on a plane ride. I don't remember where I was going, but it was about a three-hour plane ride. It could have been up to Seattle. And I was in the middle seat, and it was late at night. So you know when you're riding a plane at night, how the lights start to come down, and it's quieter. And and this guy next to me in the window is just a talker, okay, big-time talker. And so I'm talking to him, and I'm a talker too. And he goes, yeah, well, uh, what I do is I lead tour guides up and down the Himalayan mountains. And he goes, I don't get to talk to people much because when you're up there, you're just kind of walking, leading people. He goes, I'd love to talk to you on this plane ride. And I'm like, all right, what, what do you got? And he just goes deep, man. I mean, so deep. Tons of philosophical questions, tons of spiritual questions. He's loud. I'm loud. The lights are down. And I remember him starting to ask me questions about God. And I was getting so embarrassed. And I started like flash forwarding to the baggage claim when people were like, oh, you were that annoying guy yelling on the airplane about Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? When you're on an airplane, you're like, I don't want to talk too loud because the guy in front of me or the lady behind me. And he's asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I want to talk to him, but no one's talking. I don't know how to talk quietly. If you're going to talk to someone about God, it's kind of weird to be whisper it like, hey, man, let's talk about God. You know, like, so I was just, I was just getting stuck. And I remember in that moment, I just made the decision, I'm not going to talk to him about this. And he'd asked me, well, like, what, what do you think about the meaning of life? Or, you know, how do you think you find God? And I was like, those are really good questions. You know, like, maybe we should go to sleep now, right? And I just froze up in that moment, and I totally did not engage. And I remember exiting that plane and leaving that trip, and I'm like, I just blew a major opportunity. This guy is wandering up and down mountains all the time. He literally told me, I don't talk to many people. I don't really have any friends. And I love to talk about these things on planes. And I just let it go roll right down the aisle. You you ever had a moment like that where you knew like you were called to compel? You you were called to talk to someone, a a friend, a a family member, maybe a coworker. The moment was presenting itself to you. You didn't have to do much for it. It's not like you were twisting their arm. They, They wanted to talk and you just shut down. You're like, oh, this is too embarrassing. Or I don't have the right answers. Or I'm not going to go there. You ever had a moment like that? 
where you just shut down and got paralyzed in witness. That's what I want to help us move by today. It, it, bring that feeling up right now and, and grab a hold of it and say, let's move beyond the awkward. Let's move beyond the tensions. What I want to bring you into is the life of uh, one of my favorite characters, a guy named Philip, and he doesn't blow it like I did on that airplane. He doesn't blow it like maybe you have in some of your daily experiences. He actually engages the mission God has for him and helps the guy come to faith in Jesus right there on the spot. And I want his story to encourage us to move out in boldness so that we can move beyond awkward and into breakthrough for the sake of our friends. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just pray and thank you that you are here today by the power of your spirit. We thank you that if you have called us to follow you, if we are a self-proclaimed Christian, then we are your witnesses. We, we are on mission with you. We are called to compel. I pray for anyone in this room that maybe was like me at the age of 18. Just I didn't know who you were. I wasn't following you. And for anyone in this room that is not following you, Jesus, that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray, God, that you would speak to them too through this passage, that you would minister to them powerfully. Would you speak to us through your word in Jesus name? Amen. Amen. All right, let me turn my Bible right side up. And so what we're going to do is read out of Acts eight. I think it will come right on up here and I'm going to start reading right now. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth in his humiliation. He was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I love this story because you see a guy who is sent by God. He encounters a seeking person that has been on his way to worship. He's reading scripture, but he has no idea how to interpret this. There are many people around us in society today, in Hollywood, that have spiritual questions, that are wondering who God is, that attend churches, that are reading their Bible, and they don't know how to make sense of it. And we have a God who is sending a witness named Philip down desert roads to intercept these people, to help them know the good news, to help them believe the good news, to become baptized, and then to be on their way. And I'm so excited about that because if you and me want to be like that, there's a couple things we need to know. And the first one is that God speaks to and sends his witnesses. 
If we are going to be bold people that move beyond the awkward and become great at compelling the good news and are allowing people to know who Jesus is, we're inviting them in to the mission of following Jesus. We have to know and believe and grasp that he speaks to and sends his witnesses. It's not just what we say. It's that Jesus actually speaks to and sends us into specific encounters. There's two kinds of sending that I want to make clear. One is a general sending. We know from scripture, you don't have to ever ask anyone again, am I sent by God? Yes, I am. If you are following Jesus, you are already sent. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Remember, if you're a basketball fan, King James, you know, LeBron James, when he first came out, right? He says, can I, you know, I'm a, I'm a king. Can I get a witness or be a witness? He had the whole witness theme. Well, what is it? Witnessing to the greatness, right? God has already called us, if you're a Christian, to be a witness to the greatness of his name. No one has to tell you that you're supposed to go share who he is or demonstrate who he is or reveal who he is. That is a fact from scripture. It's called general revelation. We are all a witness, but there's more to that in witness. There's also specific witness. There's specific revelation. And that's what I want to key in today. Every single one of us. Yes, we are sent by God. If we're on a college campus or in an office or a law firm or teaching in our home, our neighborhood, we are all sent to be aware of how God wants to reveal himself. But every day, Every week, he's going to have specific missions for us that he's going to speak to us about. Are you listening? Are you even asking? Are you even aware of that? That you can ask God, here I am. I'm listening. God, send me. Philip, in this scripture, it says, God spoke to him, go south. Right? Just go down the 405. Huh? What do you mean? Right? Just go. And then he said, now, see that chariot? I want you to go run up next to it. You know how weird that is? Like, go to Target tomorrow and just run up next to a chair, car and ask them, you know, hey, what's going on there? Do you understand the Christian message you're, you're listening to or the music you're listening to? But we have a God here that takes Philip, who's very busy in the place of Samaria. It says in the beginning of Acts 8, and he speaks to him specifically, go south. And then more specifically, go to that chariot. And this guy who is seeking this... Ethiopian eunuch who is wondering, seeking, ready to believe in Jesus. We see him believe and get baptized. He would not have been found if a witness did not hear the voice of God and specifically follow him to a place. Where is God wanting to send you? Who has he been talking to you about? Have you even asked him, who do you want me to talk to in my neighborhood? Who do you want me to talk to in my office? Who do you want me to talk to at school? Wherever you are in your life, you know, would you ask God, What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? Which people are you specifically putting on my heart and in my path? I know I'm generally sent, but specifically, God, who are you moving in? Who's open? Who's curious? Who's wondering that you want me to talk to and that you might be sending me to? There's six steps between Philip going and actually talking to this guy. I think there's another slide that's up here, but you can see here. There's six steps between Philip and the spirit before the seeker shows openness. You see, the angel sends Philip general, then Philip goes. The spirit sends Philip specifically. Philip goes to the chariot. Philip listens, and then Philip finally asks a question, and the Ethiopian invites him in. Why do I share with you this? I share with this to you because when we're talking about compelling or sharing our faith or talking about Jesus, many of us get 
paralyzed because we think, what am I going to say? I'm not extroverted. I'm not articulate. I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know how to fully share the gospel. What this is showing us, actually, the most important part in being a witness here was listening to God and following. Many of us aren't seeing breakthroughs with people around us because we're not listening to God send us into specific people's lives. Let me say that again. You're not seeing a breakthrough with the people around you, not because you don't know how to say it right or you don't know enough, you're not extroverted. It's not because of that. It's because Jesus is trying to send you into a certain person's life at a certain moment and we're not listening or we're not obeying. If Philip didn't listen and obey clearly the directions of God, he would never have encountered this guy and it wouldn't have mattered what he said. Let us be compelled today to ask, hey God, how are you speaking to me and how can I move forward with you so that I can find the people that you are searching for all around the Los Angeles area? Secondly, the question I want to ask you is, will you obey even if it's weird? That's the other thing. If we're going to be great at compelling, on one hand, we need to know that God speaks to and sends his witnesses. On the other hand, we need to obey even when it gets weird. Most of us, if we live in Western culture, we have an idol of comfortability. We believe that God moves when it's comfortable. If it feels good and sounds good, it's logical, that's probably God. And if it's not, then it's probably not God. And we have this idea that God moves inside my comfort zone. We all know that's a little ridiculous, but underneath the surface, that's what we operate under. And my question is, will we obey even if it's weird? So when I'm in uh, San Diego, he referenced how I used to live there. When I first got married, I lived in an apartment there right next to San Diego State where I used to uh, minister to. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I was probably coming home from church and I'm getting ready to go watch the Seahawks game. Okay. I'm a big Seahawks fan. And so I'm ready to watch this game, and I see these two missionaries coming out from the bottom apartment. I live on the top. They're coming out of this house. And I'm like, oh, what are these guys talking about? So I got a couple minutes to spare. It's probably like 1230, games 105, kickoff, something like that. So I talked to these guys, and I want to figure out what they believe. And these guys believed the most weird stuff I'd ever heard. Like they were just on me about Jesus, his comeback, and he's in Korea right now. Okay, and you need to go find him and know him and – the end of the world is coming like next week. Okay. Like he's there, he's back. And I was like, guys, that's not true. And we're arguing for 15 minutes to no avail. It's not going to matter. I let them go. I just wanted to know what are they telling my neighbor? Okay. So I, I leave this conversation and I'm going back up the stairs. You know, it's probably like 1245, 1250 games about to start. And I just sense inside of me, the spirit saying, go talk to your neighbor right now. No, I do not want to do this. The game's starting, number one. Number two, this is weird. Number three, those guys just bugged her. Now I'm going to come back and bug her more. I was like, I do not want to do this. But I sensed really strongly, like, I need to go talk to her right now and have a conversation about what just happened. I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't have it planned. So I go and I knock on her door, and it just flies open. Like, I think she thought it was those guys coming back, right? And I'm like, don't worry. I'm not the Jerusalem or the, you know, South Korea missionary dudes or whatever. And she's like, ha ha. And I said, well, hey, I live upstairs. We've probably seen each other. And I want to let you know that my wife and I, um, we help people on the college campuses learn about who God is. I think what those guys said is a bunch of crap. That's like what I said. 
And, and she was like, oh, really? And I said, by the way, my name is Bo. You know, <laughs> hello. And we introduced ourselves. And she goes, and I go, if you ever want to talk about those things, just know we're an available resource. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Don't listen to those guys. And she goes, what do you think about gay people? Now it's like five minutes to kick off. I think I had DVR back then, but let's just pretend we didn't. Okay, now it's really urgent. I'm like, I can't get into this right now. Like, that's not what I want to answer. I'm not prepared. That's, it's like she's asking me to shoot a half-court shot that I'm never going to make. She's going to be mad at me no matter what I say. And I just said to her in that moment, I said, listen, I have a lot of thoughts about you know, human sexuality. I said, number one, I love all people. Number two, I probably have a different view of marriage maybe than you. I don't know. I believe in biblical marriage, one man, one woman. I said, number three, maybe we should talk about who Jesus is first before we talk about a topic like, what do I think about gay people? And she started laughing. She goes, that's a pretty good answer. And I said, okay, good. I said, I'd love to talk about it sometime. I'm not trying to avoid it. I just don't think it's a good starting point or meeting. And I go, do you like to read? And she goes, yeah, I like to read. So I brought her a couple books, gave it to her. And anyways, it ended up being this really cool relationship where she started coming to church with me. My church in San Diego had a, a class that was for seeking people where they just went through the gospel of Mark. She came, she was seeking, and then she moved literally like two or three months later. Okay. She didn't become a Christian in that time, but we had great conversation. She was talking with us. She was moving along. And I know she left with a much different picture of what a Christian was. Because one of the things that came out was she's like, my sister's gay, my dad's a fundamentalist Christian who's a gay basher, and I don't like anyone who's a Christian. Well, I think that changed after we hung out and spent time and talked. And I say all that is if if I was adverse to any kind of weirdness or uncomfortability, I would have blown right by that. How many moments in our day... Do we get a sense from the Holy Spirit? You might think it's a coincidence or you might think, you know, it's just your conscience, whatever. When you're moving through your day and, and God may be saying to you, I want you to talk to that guy. I want you to turn around and go, you know, spend some time with that person. Or I want you to drive over here and we just blow right by him because we're either like, no, weird. I'm too busy, whatever it is. These simple nudges. I, I don't know. We don't know from the text how loud or soft the voice was, but when the Spirit said, go south, I'm busy. I'm leading a revival in Samaria. You want me just to drive down the 405? What the heck? We don't know, but how many of those are we missing that right down those steps, there's a breakthrough encounter waiting to happen with a very seeking open person. God spoke to me that day on the stairs, turn around and talk to her, and it was an opportune moment where it changed our whole relationship and set her on a new trajectory. God has... Certain people that he's wanting you to talk to, that he is going to design the perfect moment, and he's going to ask you to do something that's going to be weird, that's going to be uncomfortable, that's going to make you feel like, I don't see any way how this is going to be good. And it's designed because that's the moment where breakthrough is going to come. If you analyze through logic or comfortability, going down a desert road and then running next to a moving chariot, and then yelling up to a guy, do you understand what you're reading? You would never do that. And neither would I. <laughs> that is weird. But if you knew that there was a guy in there that was going to say, I'm so curious how to know this God. I'm ready to believe in Jesus. So much so I'm going to beg you for a baptism when we walk by a river. You would say, I'll run up next to a chariot. I'll go compel that. 
But God doesn't always tell us before. Let me rephrase that. He probably will not tell you before that the ridiculous thing he's going to ask you to do is so that someone ready for a breakthrough will be there and, and, and it will happen. You get what I'm saying? Will you embrace some weirdness in your life on behalf of Jesus? Will you embrace some awkwardness? A friend of mine coined it. Will you pay the awkward bill? There are people that are ready to have a dynamic spiritual conversation and come to know Jesus. They are going to need you to repent, change your mind, change your direction from an idol of comfortability. And you are going to need to say, God, I'm sorry I've put you in a little tiny box. I'm sorry I've made my comfort, my busyness, my path most important. I'm going to turn from that. Would you speak to me and send me to your open seeking people? No matter how weird it is, I will do it. Come on. Let's, let's take this rabbit hole a little bit deeper, okay? Where does the genesis of awkwardness come from, right? Like, if we're going to understand, why do we get so awkward in these moments? Well, where does it come from? I think it comes from social rules being broken. When you break social rules, then awkwardness comes about. And you see these, uh, these social rules, I think, especially in Western culture. Don't talk to strangers. Don't do things that make people feel uncomfortable, and don't press people about what is true or real, right? It's weird when you talk to a stranger. Hey, man, what's going on? What do you want from me? What are you trying to do? Trying to, you know, trying to mug me, right? Or if you do things that make someone uncomfortable, the, the, the guiding principle in our culture today is do what, do what makes you happy, right? Don't do anything that would make you uncomfortable or someone else. Definitely not someone else. And if you're going to press someone about what's true, there's no truth. Truth is relative, what you believe is what you believe. And what I believe is what I believe. Don't tell me that there's a right way. You got to be kidding me. This getting uncomfortable. If you break one of those, it's uncomfortable. If you break two of those, it's getting a little, you know, Uncle Mike over here wanted me to button my collar, but now it's coming off because it's getting a little hot, you know, and uh, you break three, it's like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Yeah. You know, screw you, right? But check this out. In this scripture alone, he does all three. He talks to a stranger. He's doing something uncomfortable. I'm running next to a chariot. That's not comfortable. That feels really viscerally weird. And three, he's pressing about what's true or real. I'm explaining this passage. I'm talking about Jesus. Let's take that even further. One of our most famous passages, the Gospel of John, the woman at the well. He goes and talks to a stranger in the middle of the day. He asks her. It's uncomfortable because she's a woman. He's a man. Then he asks her about her husband. That's really uncomfortable. That's right. You don't have a husband. You have five. The one you're with right now isn't him. That's really uncomfortable. And then he's pressing her on what's true. She asks about spirit and, or worship. And he's talking about spirit and truth. And he's pressing in on all three. And there's a breakthrough. She's so excited. She goes and tells her whole village. Okay? The genesis of awkwardness is social rules being, being broken. Jesus doesn't always care about our social rules. We have to understand that. Now, what I'm not saying is there's not weird, awkward people. There are. That's a whole nother talk. Not all awkwardness is good. What I'm trying to say is there are sometimes awkward, uncomfortable situations that God is going to lead you into. And you're already saying, I'm already saying that can't be God because that's too weird. That's not true. He breaks social rules, especially for the sake of a breakthrough moment. Okay. One step further, the Great Commission, which... If you follow Jesus for any length of time, the Great Commission talks about him sending you to the ends of the world, right? To baptize people, to teach them, right? He's sending us 
as he says it in all four gospels and acts that he's sending us to the ends of the earth to, to declare his name, teach people to obey him, baptize him, all of that. The great commission flies in the face of those social rules. Check this out. The great commission says, go everywhere. Social rules say, stay in your place. Okay. The great commission says, make disciples. Social rules say, mind your business. How do you make a disciple? You help them follow the truth of who Jesus is. You're helping them change their course. Why don't you just mind your own business? And number three, teach them to obey, which the Great Commission says versus religious liberty. So if we're going to follow the Great Commission and be people that compel others to know Jesus, to come into the kingdom of God so that his house can be full, all of those things Casey's talking about from the Luke 14 story, we have to know that if we're going to follow the Great Commission, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be like Philip, you are going to break social rules. And if you're going to break social rules, you're going to feel awkward. So part of the decision in this room is to actually say, I'm okay with that. Because if you wait until you get out there to decide if you're okay with it or not, you're going to be like me on that airplane and be like, no. Because I'm breaking all the social rules of an airplane right now. I'm talking when the lights are down and I'm talking loud and I'm talking about God and probably money and politics. Okay. Maybe sex, right? It's like every rule is being broken, but if I've decided I'm already going to enter into that because God's leading me here clearly, well then, okay, I'm the weird guy on the airplane, but this guy might've had a breakthrough like the Ethiopian. That's worth it. Come on. You with me? Will you obey God? Even if it's weird, we have to, we have to decide on that. We have to today in this room say, God, I will obey you if it's weird. It's even good enough if you're willing to say, I will obey God if it's weird, but I, I need to spend some time figuring out what's good, weird, and bad, weird. Fine. Do that. Yeah. Just acknowledge that there is a good, weird, a God, weird. Yeah. Let's put it that way. There There's lots of weirdo dudes in the name of God. Trust me. I know. I don't want us to be that. Some really important breakthroughs are going to be because you had to do something weird. That needs to be known. This Ethiopian was able to have a breakthrough encounter because Philip knew and embraced that God was speaking and sending him. He had a breakthrough of the Ethiopian because Philip was willing to obey God, even though it was weird. The opportunity for us is to reflect on and ask, will I listen to God and allow him to send me into specific situations? Will I obey it even if it gets weird or weirder as it goes? And with that, I want to tell you one last story. I'm going to give you some time to reflect. But this is one of my favorite stories. It was 2007. I was at the Seahawks game, December 23rd, cheering the Hawks' nest, okay? And I, we end the game, and I'm coming back, and I get a frantic call from my mom who says, your brother has just been thrown in jail, okay? My brother Brad and his wife Yoshiko we're visiting from Idaho. They have two six-month-old twins. My um, sister-in-law, Yoshiko, barely speaks any English. She's fully Japanese. My brother spoke fluent Japanese. And so she's here in Seattle, and he's now thrown in jail. And we don't know why. They had a warrant out for his arrest, okay? It's December 23rd. It's Sunday night. The jails don't open till December 26th. So they said, sorry, Monday the 24th, holiday. Tuesday the 25th, holiday, Christmas. 26, you will be able to talk and figure out the situation. So we just had to sit 
for two days wondering why is this happening and what's going on. And it was just like freak out central in my home. Okay. No one's Christian in my home except for me. So of course, no one in my family is like, well, let's pray about it. Let's, let's think about what God would do. Like no one's looking at their, what would Jesus do bracelets? Okay. Except for me. And so I spend some time praying and I'm praying about it. And I just get an image of a wall. Like there's a wall and I, and I sense God was saying to me, the perspective here is limited. I have greater perspective beyond this quote unquote wall. Watch what I'm going to do. So through that prayer time, I was supposed to go home on the 26th. I decided to stay longer and I sent Christina, my wife home and I stayed in Seattle. Well, it turns out on the 26th, he gets really busted. Okay. He, he's, he's bad dude. He's doing bad stuff. And now we're in the middle of the kind of like denial acceptance dance of like, there's no way he could have done it. Oh gosh, maybe he, you know, like that kind of thing. And so he gets put in jail for a long time and he's still in jail right now. And we're there and my parents go out to a party on the 27th. And I'm just there with my sister-in-law, Yoshka. I barely know her very well. She has the, the little six year old, tw- six month old twins. And I'm sitting in the kitchen. She's sitting in the living room and I just had a nudge. Go talk to her about, about me. Go talk to her about God right now. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it was a little, it was a little weird, but it wasn't for me. It was like a three on the weird radar. It was like a little kind of uncomfortable, but it wasn't like major. So I, I had really smooth lines prepared. So I walked in the living room and I said, Hey, Yoshko, do you know I'm a Christian? Really smooth, right? She's like, yes, I did know that. And I said, well, do you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. Would you like me to explain it to you? Yes, I would like for you to explain it to me. <laughs> like really smooth, okay? Like just start the conversation, you know? And so we have this great talk. Um, we, I talked to her about Jesus. I'm able to explain to her about how he's a God of comfort, how he's come to forgive sin, my brother's sin, how he's come to rescue people that are hurting you. And she's, she's crying, I'm crying. And she's like, I want to know this God, Okay. And she told me in that moment, I said, well, what do you believe? And she says, well, I believe God's in the corner of the wall. Well, now that image I got in prayer, really interesting. She says, when I get nervous, I look to the corner of the wall and I pray. I'm like, whoa, that's weird. What I've come to find out, she's told me now later that she, there's this thing called Shinto in Japan. And they put this little idol thing on your wall and you're supposed to pray to it until a certain age, maybe 18. And it's the thing that's supposed to help you when you're scared or worried. So she was always told to like pray up to the corner of the room to that little guy and do that. That's what she explained. She goes, now you've brought me a a much greater God that's living. So I pray with her and I'm wondering, did this even make any difference? Was she being accepting to me? Like I'm a white guy. She's Japanese woman. I'm in her family. Like maybe she's just appeasing me. Next morning, everything seemed chill. I, you know, I went home a couple days later. I got her a Bible, got her going. Well, I come back a month later, and she's doing pretty well. And she's like, yeah, I joined a church. And her friend calls while I'm at the house, and she has two friends that are in Seattle, two Japanese friends. She's stranded here in Seattle, okay? Like, she's stranded. She's not living with my mom. She only had two friends. This lady's on the phone. She says, I want to talk to your brother. So I come on. Her name is Sinai. She goes, hello, my name is Sinai. I'm a Japanese evangelist. Thank you for leading your sister-in-law to the Lord. And she's like, I've given her Japanese purpose-driven life, Japanese video testimonies, Japanese Bible, Japanese church. And this lady she's on fire and gets my sister-in-law plugged in. Does that next picture work? No. 
Okay. Well, I had a picture in there. I went home that next summer, right? Cause it was December. I went home the next summer and my, and I saw my sister get baptized in church and shared her testimony. And I come back a couple years later and she's leading Bible study in her home T- to this day. She's very full Christian. Um, a number of my family members have become a Christian. Just, we were on vacation with them a couple weeks ago. Mike, Mike was up there in Seattle and her kids now are growing up as Christian. And, and we were going up to these islands on a Sunday and her kid runs up to me who's now eight years old and says, can we do church on the boat? Can we do church on the boat? You know, like they're just hungry for it. And I say all that, an amazing story of breakthrough, a conversation that I was one part of that process. I mean, she had her friend, she has her church, she's growing. But if I wasn't willing to obey God to go in and have that conversation, then who knows? Maybe it still would have happened, but it would have been longer. It would have been a year. I have no idea. But the point is God is going to speak to you and send you into specific places. God's going to ask you to do things that are weird for him. Most people that are going to come to Christ are not going to show up at your doorstep and say, lead me into the kingdom of God. I'm ready. They're going to need you to go where they are to learn how to ask questions, to talk with them, and to get into it with them. And that's going to take you putting on and paying the awkward bill. But there's Yoshikos out there. There's neighbors out there. There's there's Ethiopian eunuchs types out there. There's people that are wandering through Hollywood and L.A., searching, questioning. They need a witness to be sent to them. God wants to send you as his witness to them. Will we ask, will we be so bold to say, God, I will listen, I will go, I will endure some awkwardness for you, some tension, so breakthrough can happen. What if this church would pray like that? What if this church would ask for that? What if this church would say, if there will be breakthrough, I will do what you want me to do. I will follow you, Jesus. Let us pray. Um, And you can come on up, uh, worship. God, I just pray for everyone in this room, and I just pray that a couple things would happen. And as I pray, why don't you think about one of these questions? Are you like the Ethiopian in the room? Maybe you're here and you're searching for God. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe you're confused about the Bible. Are If you're here and you resonate with that, do you need to ask someone in this church for help understanding? Do you need someone to explain to you the good news of Jesus? I want to give you the opportunity to do that in a minute. Maybe you're here And you recognize that you have an idol of comfort. You're a Christian. You're following Jesus. But everything goes through the filter of, is this comfortable and does this make sense? And I want to ask you to consider turning around, repenting from that idol of comfort. Just confessing today to God, God, I'm sorry I've done this. Remove it and help me have a lens of you that is following you forward, even into some weird things. And the third question I want to ask you is, Do you need power? Do you need boldness? Some of you might not have an idol of comfort. Some of you might say, I'm ready to go. I want God to use me. But you're just scared. You're timid. You're nervous, which makes sense. The Holy Spirit promises to fill us with boldness. The number one thing, the number one fruit of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is boldness. When they are filled, it says they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldly or with boldness. Some of you in here need to ask God for boldness. Give you boldness to go to people, to talk to people, to build relationships, to invest in them, to be curious about them, to be intentional. It takes boldness. It takes getting outside of ourselves. So are you like the Ethiopian and you need help today? Are you someone here that has an idol of comfort and you need to turn around from that and say, God, 
forgive me? Or do you need boldness? Maybe you need both. I'm going to have you meditate on this song. And I'm going to come back up and then just pray a blessing over you. 